This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning. It's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for this Tuesday, December 6th. Here's the weather forecast for today. Looks like it's going to be a cloudy day. Pretty good chance of some rain and drizzle, but a warmish high of 7 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, police releasing a photo of a suspect in a gas station attendant killing. Number two, registration for city-run winter recreation and March break programs begins today. Number three, more secret Chinese police stations have been found in Canada. Number four, an NDP MPP is pushing for doctors to stop taking away driver's licenses. And number five, Montreal Canadiens goalie says he didn't know about December 6th. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.07 on a Tuesday morning, five degrees outside. I'm going to have to double check on what the uh, normal temperature this time of year is but i suspect we're trending one or two degrees above average over the last while and certainly today with a projected high of seven degrees we're going to be on the mild side of things also looks like a bit of a wet day as you would have heard in the weather forecast from jess kieran so just to bat clean up on a few things that happened yesterday you would have heard on the jerry agar show the welcome news i have to imagine so many parents and actually probably so many workers shoulders just you know sunk a little relaxed a little side a little bit of relief with word that the qp union had voted with a result of 73 percent approving the deal that doesn't mean everybody's happy but it does mean there is a deal here's laura walton the union chief for now anyway 41,559 of our 55,000 workers voted in this ratification process and 30,330 voted in favor of this tentative agreement. That is 73%. I could not be more proud of my coworkers, of the early childhood educators, custodians, office workers, maintenance workers, EAs, secretaries, social workers, lunchroom supervisors, library technicians, and so many more. Meanwhile, the education minister, Stephen Lecce, who played hardball through most of this episode, if we can call it that, just said he was grateful for the deal. And I'm actually grateful that it doesn't seem that either side in all of this is doing a victory lap or or high-fiving. I think they're just admitting, you know what, we went head-to-head, we were at the table, it got kind of ugly for a while, but here we are, we got a deal. Since the negotiations began, our government has been guided by the principle that children should be in class. And we are so pleased we were able to reach an agreement that has now been overwhelmingly ratified by the members that keeps kids in the classroom, that preserves some the learning experience for children who've been through so much disruption over the past years. Uh, I am grateful to the members for uh, endorsing this deal and ratifying this deal, as I am so grateful that children are in school today learning where we know they belong. And when you consider the timing, especially, I mean, here we are, Tuesday, the 6th of December, we're in the ramp up to Christmas, so we're already in kind of a a wind-up phase where, I mean, I don't don't necessarily want to uh, say that nobody's doing anything, but you know how it works, right? You get to the end of a semester and everybody kind of realizes, wait a second, we're sort of near the end of the uh, syllabus here, so maybe we can kind of relax a little. So the fact that we don't have labor conflict, the fact that parents at Christmas time don't have to try to figure out what to do with their kids, 
all of that is good news. Um, as I mentioned, we're sort of taking a look at some of the things that we had predicted yesterday morning, and then they came to be. Uh, we were talking about this story on the morning show with Mark uh, Mendelson, um, our crime specialist, and then police rolled it all out. 62 firearms that were all headed for the streets, and 58 of them uh, traceable back to their, as they say, beginnings. 57 of those were from the United States. I don't really know what to tease out of this. Um, I know that at 8.20 this morning, we're going to talk to Matt Gurney about all things concerning guns and weaponry. Uh, one of the reasons for that is just to get to the guts of what it is the federal liberals are trying to do when it comes to gun control. And since, you know, I'm, I'm not that much of a hard ass when it comes to gun control. I, I'm not a fan of guns. Um, I would prefer that, you know, automatic weapons not be generally available. But, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not that much of a hard ass when it comes to gun control. But I also want to lean into somebody who knows guns. I thought it was really interesting, actually, yesterday on round two when we were talking about gun control and gun issues and uh, Carrie Price, amongst other things. All three of the people on the panel were either gun owners or people who had grown up in families with guns in the house. So you can't necessarily insist that it's a bunch of sort of urban gun sissies who populate our punditry here at News Talk 1010. But like I said, uh, if we're going to understand the gun control file and what it is precisely that Justin Trudeau and company want to do about guns, then I'd like to lean into somebody who totally understands the file. And that would certainly be Matt Gurney, and he's going to be here at 820 this morning. Uh, but speaking of Carey Price, I'd be interested in hearing from people, and certainly we'll hear from the pundits about what they think of this today. But, you know, to wind things back, Carey Price, goalie for the Montreal Canadiens, currently on leave, posts on the weekend a picture of himself holding a shotgun and dressed in his hunting gear and saying that he does not believe in Justin Trudeau's gun control. Some people pointed out that the timing was a little dodgy because today is the 6th of December, which is the anniversary of the University of Montreal gun massacre. 14 young women murdered by a guy who I guess was probably, you know, if we, I don't want to be blithe about it, but was a kind of a pioneer for the incel movement. And when it was pointed out that his timing was not exactly perfect, it turned out that Carey Price had never heard of the 1989 Polytechnic Massacre. And I guess, you know, I would ask you listening right now, is it understandable that a young guy who grew up probably was identified as a hockey prospect when he was like in the single digits, then probably ended up on the road being billeted in houses, not going to school anymore or being tutored, whatever, just immersed and marinated in hockey? Is it understandable that he's not aware of the Université de Montréal massacre? Now, I would think... There's just there's stuff out there that we're all aware of, and I guess there are some people who grow up in an environment where they just, you know, they're not. Because I always find it funny. I remember when Mary Tyler Moore died, and I had to explain to the crew on the morning show who she was. And I thought, okay, I can tell you who was performing for P.T. Barnum 
in the 1880s. So how is it that somebody doesn't know who was one of the biggest stars uh, in the history of television in the 1960s and 70s? But I get it. It's just not everybody's uh, environment or everybody's collective knowledge. So we'll certainly explore that issue on the show today. And speaking of incredible television stars, it really does break your heart, doesn't it? When people... She's not entirely of my generation, but I mean, I don't think of Kirstie Alley as an old lady, and she has passed away at the age of 71. She was a star on Cheers. She was uh, also, um, well, I mean, she was on Veronica's Closet. She pretty well worked nonstop. And then she was also sort of a pop culture phenomenon, working in weight loss commercials and stuff like that. And she passed away after apparently a short battle with cancer at the age of 71. All right, we're going to be hooking up with our friends at CP24, our sister television station, moments from now. If you are of, of, you know, of any interest, you can actually tune in and see the lovely paintings at uh, Zach the Dog Studios because I'm working from home today. Moments away from the half-hour headlines with Jess Kieran Cooner. Enough time for me to map out some of the special guests we're going to have this morning. Chris Lewis, our public safety analyst, will be here at 6:35 to talk about um, this business of Chinese. What we call them police stations is what people are calling them, but really they're just sort of spy cells that are operating here in Canada. So that's at 6.35. Carmi Levy is here for Tech Tuesday at 6.50. Amongst other things, new studies that actually put a bit of a dent into the arguments that people have made against electric vehicles. It seems that some people just hate anything that is environmentally friendly, which is kind of counterintuitive. You think largely if we come up with some good environmentally friendly solutions, we should jump on board. But some people seem to feel that they're a threat to their general all-around liberties, so they just come up with arguments. And then those arguments last for like 20 years. So one of them is that it actually is more environmentally damaging to build and then eventually retire an electric car than it is a conventional car. And the latest research finds that that is no longer true. And then as mentioned, Matt Gurney is going to join us at 8.20. And Matt has written an awful lot about guns, grew up in a family with guns. And so I think it's time for us to have a more fulsome debate about what it is the federal liberals are trying to ban and get a fix on exactly what weapons would be in and what weapons would be out. And yes, I'm aware you don't need to text us. When I call them weapons, everyone gets all mad. But frankly, they're weapons. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. It's 5.36 on a Tuesday morning. Six degrees. Joe Cristiano did a little homework for us. I was saying that to my intuition, we were trending pretty well every day and every night above normal temperatures. And yeah, average high for today would be 2.6 degrees. The average overnight low minus 4.8. And looking at the forecast, got to call it up here. uh, Today, we're looking at seven degrees and the overnight low is plus five degrees. And it's been like that for the last couple of weeks, actually. And certainly the number of times we've had rain, and at times extraordinarily heavy rain, and the temperature's been so well above zero, it hasn't been snowing. And I kept thinking, wow, what a blizzard this would have been. There was one day last week where it was just coming down like a hurricane. And I thought, if this was snow, we probably would have had like 30 centimeters. But there we are. Now, we cross our fingers for a white Christmas. 
and there's still plenty of time. It's only the 6th of December. You can see the image on our social media platforms, but it's not particularly helpful, to be honest. I mean, there are times where we release the image of a suspect and you sort of think, yeah, anybody who looks at that is going to say, yeah, I know that. That's Bob. Um, I got to call, you know, crime stoppers and uh, and report him in. But in this case, it's the image of a guy who is being sought in connection with the fatal shooting of a 21-year-old clerk at a gas station, a petrol gas station or a Petro-Canada gas station at uh, Credit View Road and Britannia Road West. The victim, uh, Pewanpreet Kaur, and I, I, you know, it, it only reinforces, the more I read about this, my impression, and I'm not a homicide detective, so maybe we should ask Mark Mendelson for his intelligence on this, but I don't think this is a robbery where things got out of hand and, you know, then the, with fatal consequences. Because the suspect, apparently, was wearing a hoodie when captured on the video camera, but pulled the hood up just before shooting the victim at close range. So I suspect this is possibly a targeted killing, and hopefully police have a have a good lead on it. And then it almost seems insensitive to move from that, her having been a clerk at a gas station, to the price of gas, but it is a news story this morning that uh, drivers in the GTA are getting more gas relief at the pumps this week. Price of fuel in the region expected to drop three cents by tomorrow to a buck 40.9 cents per liter. That's going to tie for the lowest price of the year. The last time gas prices in the GTA were that low was the 2nd of January. So one of the principal things that has been fueling inflation has been the price of energy. So that is beyond good news. There's another crime story today. And again, I, I have my own theories about this, but we'll learn more as time goes by. But there is a woman who was in downtown Toronto on Sunday. She says a passerby bumped up against her and she felt a pain in her back. And then a passerby said, yeah, I saw that guy actually poking something into you. She goes to a nearby hospital and says that she has a pain in her back, and the determination is that she was hit with a needle in her back, and then the big question is, was she actually injected with something? Uh, She is going to be getting uh, what are called post-exposure prophylaxis, a type of medicine that would prevent HIV and possibly some other infections. But the reason I'm a little bit suspect about this, it folds in a bit too neatly with a lot of urban myths about needles. You may remember back, it was mostly in the 70s and 80s, and actually it was not coincidentally. uh, It was during the time of the AIDS panic and the HIV panic. And people would tell stories about how they sat down in a seat at the theater and they reached underneath and they felt a prick and then they, they had, you know, they looked under and there was a needle and then they had been infected with HIV. Um, People told stories about people running through clubs and injecting people with HIV. No actual provable case of that was ever found. And as you probably know, when it comes to urban mythology, it often hinges on those things that we just nurture an abiding fear about. And who wasn't afraid of AIDS in the late 1970s and early 1980s? Um, but and it, and it is possible, it is entirely possible that this unfolded exactly as has been accounted. A friend of mine 
walking on Crescent Street in Montreal, which is kind of akin to our Yorkville, uh, once felt a slight pain in the back and then went home. He was drunk, went home, got into bed, woke up in a pool of blood and found out that he'd been stabbed in the back by a stranger. So, like I said, entirely possible that it happened exactly as recounted, but uh, my spidey senses also go off when I see a story like this because it just seems so completely random. So I was mentioning um, electric vehicles, and this morning when we talk with Carmi Levy, we're going to talk about, um, they call it dust to dust, essentially. What is the environmental damage caused by the construction of a vehicle, the operation of a vehicle, and the decommissioning of a vehicle? And how do electric vehicles compare to gas vehicles? Apparently, the scenario is getting a lot better, which might explain why more and more people are looking at electric vehicles and more and more people are buying them. As a matter of fact, we were talking yesterday on the show that we're up to 15% of new vehicle purchases in British Columbia are EV. So uh, yesterday, they opened up uh, an EV plant right here in the province of Ontario, which is on its way, it would seem, to becoming one of the world's capitals of electric vehicle construction. There's a steady hum at the assembly line of Canada's first large-scale electric vehicle plant, now officially open in a retooled GM plant at a cost of more than a billion dollars. Our focus is on remaining competitive. Wait times for an electric commercial vehicle like this can be two to five years as businesses and consumers turn away from gas guzzlers. Overall, EV sales jump by 68% year over year. Even though there are uh, incredible supply issues, even then uh, more and more people want to buy an EV and they're interested in different types of EVs. But with those choices come varying wait times. At dealerships we called, a Hyundai Kona is up to five months, while the Ionic is more than a year. If you're waiting for a new Ford F-150 Lightning, that can be up to two years. B.C. and Quebec are the only provinces with regulations mandating automakers to supply a growing percentage of EV sales. Danielle Breton of Electric Mobility Canada believes that plays a role in availability for consumers. What manufacturers do, because they know very well how to calculate, they will send the EVs first and foremost in those provinces before other provinces where there can be sometimes a rebate, but no regulation or no obligation for them to sell EVs. Those provinces are laser-focused on EV readiness and leading Canada in terms of EV sales. What we see is in places like BC and Quebec, where they built out charging infrastructure, they've provided their citizens with consumer incentives to help them make that initial purchase, that there's more interest in these vehicles and you're seeing more on the road there. The federal government is planning its own sales mandates leading up to 2035 when all new passenger vehicles sold in Canada will be electric. And yeah, electric vehicles have gone, I think, from being considered to be an eccentricity or a toy to being quite mainstream. And you can see that in the design of them, right? I remember when I first started shopping for an electric vehicle and I kind of got stymied by COVID because I was looking to re-up a lease during COVID and you just couldn't get an electric vehicle for love or money. Um, but you would have noticed that, for example, BMW's first electric vehicle looked like a silly clown mobile. And now what they've done is they've just repurposed their 300 line as an electric vehicle. 
And then you have some pretty aggressive stuff. I mean, Volvo says they will no longer um, manufacture any new models of gas-powered car. And actually, um, um, which would it be? Uh, Audi actually has an incredible lineup of electric vehicles. So they're no longer sort of an eccentricity for the kind of people who recycle their own urine. They're actually competitive uh, you know, market-driven cars. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. And just to continue along with the five things you need to know, because sometimes it's a headline, but you probably go, okay, need to know more. Yeah, it's Carey Price, Montreal Canadiens goalie, currently on leave. And he weighed in on the weekend about the federal government's gun control law, saying he opposed it. And then some people pointed out that the timing was not great because today is Tuesday, December 6th, and December 6th is the anniversary of the Université de Montréal um, shooting spree that killed 14 young women. And he actually said, I, I don't know anything about it, which, you know what, I mean, there's a, there's a million angles to this. One would be, it is also not coincidental that the federal liberals are marshalling this law through the House at a time that corresponds with the 6th of December. Because today, they will appear with white ribbons, they will light candles, they will talk about the 14 dead, they will talk about guns, and then they will say, by the way, look at what we're doing in terms of gun control. So the liberals are being fairly cynical in all of this. But I also have to say, there are times where I'm somewhat staggered at what young people don't know. And I don't know how you grew up in Canada without knowing about the University of Montreal. It's not... You know, the fact that it happened in Quebec does not make it, it's not, um, you know, Yugoslavia. It happened in Canada. 14 young women were snuffed out by a gunman. And then you get to the whole business of Carrie Price not knowing um, the reference to Polly. The organization that he was referencing, the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights, recently had a promotional thing happening on their website, and they said, use Polly as your passcode. Well, why would you do that? Like, even if you believe in the right to own guns, it doesn't mean you have to denigrate the people, the victims of a mass shooting. Like, who thought of that? Who thought that that was a good idea? It's absolutely insane. This will be on the agenda this morning when we talk with Lisa Raitt, who is on the morning brief. Lisa Raitt's going to be here at 6.20, former federal cabinet minister, somebody probably with indelible memories of the University of Montreal massacre. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I am somewhat staggered at times at what people don't know. And I suspect it's because, owing to social media in many respects, I think that we largely preoccupy ourselves with things that happened in the last 48 hours. Everything is about the present. Everything is about the immediate. Everything is about what somebody tweeted five minutes ago. So why would you necessarily know about a massacre that happened in 1989 in at a university in Montreal? Why would you know about a sitcom star from 1985? Why would you necessarily even be able to name the date of the attack on Pearl Harbor? But I'd like to think that as people grow up, that they have an abiding um, interest in in history and everything that got us to where we are.
Uh, Major General Danny Fortin yesterday was found not guilty of sexual assault. Don't have to get too deep into what he was accused of. Um, But, I mean, it all stemmed back to 1988. He was a student at the Royal Military College in Saint-Jean in Quebec. He was accused by a female student who was in the same class year of sexual assault. But the accusation only came this year. And the judge ruled, as judges often do in cases like this, he said, I believe entirely in the integrity of what this woman says happened to her, but I don't have enough proof to establish the identity of the person who did it. So Danny Fortin yesterday was acquitted. But let it be remembered, I mean, this is a senior officer in the Canadian Armed Forces. This is the guy who was in charge of the vaccine rollout. To the best of my knowledge, and I guess we'll find out more because Jess Kieran was saying that a report is coming out now to establish how Canada attacked and addressed the COVID outbreak. But to the best of my knowledge, she did a very good job in leading the charge in getting the vaccines rolled out. And then he was sidelined by these allegations. Now he's been through the trial. Now he's been acquitted. But you know how this works, right? This is just, you know, going to continue for the rest of his life. Everyone will simply remember that at one time he was accused of sexual impropriety. One of the things I was mentioning in the five things you need to know is a story we're going to advance on the show this morning by talking to the MPP in question. There is an MPP for the NDP who is pushing for a review of the protocol under which some people can lose their licenses, their driver's licenses. And in one case, for example, that is cited in the coverage I'm looking at, there's a guy who got heat stroke and he went to the hospital because he had passed out. And once he had been processed at the hospital, even though they actually didn't give him any permanent treatment, they said, looks like you're going to be okay, so why don't you go home and take a nap? But then they notified the license bureau that he had passed out on the job, and his license was suspended. There are a lot of angles to this, and we'll talk about them on the roundtables at 745 and 845. One of the principal problems would be, Um, This was sort of an emergency thing, right, where the guy was suffering from heat stroke and went to the hospital. But what if you've been having some issues and you think, I should probably see a doctor about this. But then you know that this doctor might take away your driver's license. And you live, for example, in a rural area or you drive for a living or you have to, you know, you're a pharmaceutical salesperson who has to use the car every single day. Well, then maybe you won't go see the doctor. Maybe you won't get the attention you need. Maybe you'll find out six months later that actually your suspicions were correct and you're gravely ill, but you skipped the doctor because you were afraid of having your license taken away. That is The Breakfast Wrap. My name is John Moore. Thanks for listening. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.